All right, let's get into the word this morning. I'm excited to be able to bring you something that uh, is probably one of my favorite subjects and favorite topics. And we're going to be reading out of the book of John, the Gospel of John. So I want to give you a couple of scriptures, first of all, to start off with. But I want to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. And we really need that uh, every day of our lives, let alone at this season of uncertainty that we always preface all of our sermons with at the moment during this uh, COVID-19 situation. But I think more than ever, the word of God needs to be paramount in our thinking and the truths that Jesus brought to us need to be paramount in our thinking in this season. So in John chapter 14, I just want to give you a couple of scriptures, okay? If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then another one from from John in chapter 16, verse 7. This is what Jesus is saying here. Nevertheless, I will tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's really amazing because when you look at the Gospel of John, it actually mentions the principle of truth more than any other gospel or in fact even any of the other letters in the new testament that principle of truth and uh but also not only the principle of truth but he also mentions the holy spirit more than any of the other gospels and probably also most of the other books of the new testament as well and you might say to me well hang on diane what about the book of acts well sure the the book of acts is all about the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's actually a record or a narrative of what happened when the church was birthed. So it was actually a record of the acts of the Holy Spirit through the acts of the apostles, whichever way you want to look at it. Oh, then you might say, well, what about 1 Corinthians? You know, in chapter 12, it talks all about the gifts. And then in chapter 13, how to, you know, all about the gift of prophecy. Well, that's about the gifts. That's the, in the in the book of Corinthians, in the first book of Corinthians, it's actually referring to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the functionality and how to actually facilitate the very gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us as his people here on earth, how to facilitate them in a church gathering when believers are together. So what we're looking at here, though, is a little bit different. The Gospel of John is a little bit different. Theologians like Bram, my gorgeous husband, would say it's about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which basically means the role, the function, and the ministry. But us laymen, this is what we would say when we look at the, what, how John talks about the Holy Spirit in the, in the Gospel of John. This is basically how the Holy Spirit will act in my life. This is how the Holy Spirit will do things and this is what I can expect to feel and experience him when I have him in me and when I have him drenching me and saturating me and when I have him helping me in my life. And this is where he will lead me. This is what John addresses in in his gospel. This is where the Holy Spirit will lead me and this is what he will reveal to me. So it's really fascinating when you look at the the, the slight difference in how the Holy Spirit is talked about in the Gospel of John. It's, it's awesome. So in, in, in John, 
you see several different things. And I know I've mentioned this before in other sermons that I've spoken. Of course, Brahm speaks about it a lot as well. In fact, it's probably from him that I was able to really gain this and glean this. But when you look at the book of John, it talks about, he actually talks about how the essence of who we are as people is actually changed at a very fundamental level. I mean, guys, I'm, I'm, uh, I have firsthand experience of this. My entire being, my entire thought processes, my entire desires, everything about me changed when I was 19 years old. I still hadn't even read a Bible because I hadn't even bought a Bible. I didn't own a Bible. I didn't go to church. So many of you already know the story, but let me reiterate it again. Let me drive this point home. He changed the very essence of who I was to the point that my family were like, what is going on with Diane? Everything in me changed because, and John explains this to us in, in chapter three. He's talking to one of the, 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 the local religious leaders, Nicodemus, and he basically says, there's going to be some things that will change on the inside of you once you know God. Once you have him living on the inside of you, you're, you're not just going to uh, feel connected to God. You will know that you're connected to God. And this is what happened to me. I suddenly didn't just feel it, but I knew. It was a knowing that didn't come cerebrally through my thinking or through anyone telling me or addressing or indoctrinating me. I knew that I was connected with God. I remember the same thing happening to my beautiful dad. He had all these questions right up until until his 70s. And uh, I remember him saying to me, I, have, I had so many questions, but when someone led me in the prayer to accept Jesus as being totally the one to govern my life, he said, I don't know, Diane, but all of a sudden those, those questions didn't seem that important anymore. They all just went away. It's like there was a new ability to know something about God on the inside. Well, that comes from the Holy Spirit, from the very ability, the role, the function, the ministry, as a theologian would say, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's how he changes us. This is how he will act in our hearts and in our lives. And then and then in chapter 4, he begins to address the fact that there will be rivers that will flow from you. There will be a new river. I mean, I can, as I'm saying this, I can feel it. I, can, I feel so moved because I know what that feels like to have the river of the Holy Spirit flowing through me and in me. And in fact, Jesus said to the woman at, at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4, he says, you will never thirst again if you drink from this well. You don't have to keep going back to a natural well, to something, a natural knowledge, a natural knowledge base and a, another type of belief system, belief system to keep propping yourself up, to keep strengthening you, to keep reinforcing your belief systems. No, you're, you'll never thirst again. And he's talking about a heart thirst. He's talking about a heart hunger when he's saying this to her. He said, if you knew who it was uh, that you were talking to, meaning himself, you, you would ask me to give you this, this water that I have. It's a living water. It's a living stream. It's a living river that flows out of Jesus, out of knowing him, and it comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. In other words, in layman's terms, he, in layman's terms, he fills our very heart's longings. He saturates us. Guys, I know what this feels like. I felt it then. I felt it during the hardest 
times of my life. I feel it now, even talking about him. It's incredible. I feel the presence of God. I feel that river flowing through me. I feel that saturation of who God is flowing in my life. So this is what this is the gospel of John, what he addresses, what he teaches us. That's why if, if some of you, you know, I know most of you in our church in Melbourne life and Jakarta life, you read your Bibles. But if you're tuning in for the first time, if you're listening to this through our podcast and you're just finding out about God, as I know so many people are, they're hungering for God. They're looking for God. They're, they're desiring to know more about God, especially in this season then I would really encourage you to start reading the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. Start reading from the Gospel of John. So it starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go to John. Read about Jesus. Read about who he is. Okay, so let's get back to this. So John chapter 4, he talks about the rivers that will flow through you, that will cause you to never thirst again. And that doesn't mean a natural thirst. That means a heart thirst, an ache, a desire. And I, I experience this all all the time, every moment of my life, talking about it now. I feel that. I sense that. I know that. You know, it's it's not easy pastoring a church. <laughs> it's not easy as you get older, even just as a natural human being. You know, Brahma and I are experiencing the, the, the emotions of what it's like to get older. And I don't mean the emotions of what have I done with my life? We feel so fulfilled in what we've done with our lives. We, we feel like we've never been more excited about where God has us, for where he has us right now. And we've never felt more full of anticipation of what he's about to do. So as far as calling of God goes, there's nothing more satisfying than walking with God. But there's a natural sort of sorrow that I believe most of us as we get older experience I watched my dad go through this he went through I watched him get sadder and sadder and and Brahm and I are experiencing that especially Brahm you know he came out of a really abusive really difficult uh, upbringing and he's he's finding himself reflecting back on his childhood a lot and the sorrow and sadness that goes with that and it's really intriguing because I watch this and I think this is what I saw my dad go through. So even as we get older as human beings, there is a natural feeling of, of sadness or I don't know if it's regrets, but it's just more looking back over your life. I don't have so many... Uh, so much sorrow like Brahm does. I had an incredible upbringing, but there's definitely a looking back and there's definitely a feeling of, wow, it, it's, it's hard to do life. It's hard to be a human being. It's hard to live through circumstances and situations, even as believers. But every time I focus on the person and the power of the, the truth of God and his, the spirit of truth flowing through me, every time I do things like this and I speak about him, I feel the strengthening, I feel the comfort, and I feel the effects of this helper that Jesus talked about in me and walking through me and working through me. So that river will flow. But he also says in John chapter 4 that our worship will change. Well, what does that really mean for you and I? That means that what we desire and what our heart longs for and focuses on, the things that might have been idols in our lives, they kind of just drop away. And suddenly he becomes our ultimate desire and, and the person that we long to, to, to adore and, and know more about. That's what real worship is. It's, it's, in fact, he says that the, the season is coming, the era is coming, and now is. And he's talking about right now, the era of the Holy Spirit, where we will worship in spirit and in truth. 
And you know, I experienced that before I ever stepped foot into a church, before I ever picked up a Bible, before I ever learned where the, where the books of the Bible were, before I knew any scriptures, I knew what it was to love him and to worship him out of my spirit with the truth and the reality because it was, it was being spoken to me from the inside. It's, it's incredible. So this is, how, this is the kind of journey that John takes us on in the Gospels. I mean, right now, I feel like I'm literally on the verge of tears talking about this because he is all we need. He alone is our help. I preached about that a few weeks ago. <clears throat> but how does he help us? Well, we start to see in John, on John chapter, in John chapter 14 and 16, we start to see who he is. You know, we start to see where he comes from. And he literally comes from the Father. He comes out of the very heart of the Father in heaven to us. We see what he does. We begin to learn what this Holy Spirit, this helper, this spirit of truth, what he's going to do. And we can learn, what, like I said before, what I can expect to feel and experience when I have him in me. And, and in the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus begins to set it up in chapter 13. And it, well, in fact, he, you know, John records how Jesus sets it up in chapter 13. And in chapter 13, it's what we would all call the, the Last Supper. It's where Jesus has gathered his disciples for the Last Supper, the last time he gathers with them. And he begins to break bread with them. And he's, he's basically telling them that he's about to die. He's about to go. And these are some huge bombshell moments. This is breaking news. This is news alert. This is let me break into this program that you're watching right now and bring you some earth-shattering news that's about to, to happen. And he says, you know what? He tells them, I'm about to die. He basically verbally gives them his last will and testament. And in fact, I'll read to you from, the, from, from Luke. Um, he says, he says, and he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. They're probably thinking, what on earth? What's he talking about? And then likewise, he took the cup after they had eaten. And then he says this, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, in my blood. So he's basically, he's obligating himself to die right now. He's saying, I want you to eat it. This is my body. And this is my blood, which is about to be poured out for you in a new covenant. You know, every time someone writes out a new last will and testament, which Brahma and I do every so often, maybe twice in our entire lives. So 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 good kids, don't worry. You'll get everything. Um, but... You know, when we've done it as we've got older and we've had to readjust things, we've redone our will, it literally negates the last will and testament that we did. And so you can rip that up and throw that one away because the new one takes precedence. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's basically obligating himself. Now he's saying, when I die, this is what's going to happen. There's a new covenant. There's a new testament. In other words, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was, which was... Uh, given by God to the people of God is now going to be null and void once I die, once my blood is shed now, there's going to be something new that's going to happen. And this, and every time you have communion, you're remembering and reinforcing that truth in your life. So he's telling these guys this at what we call the Last Supper. He's telling them, all right, I'm about to die. This is what's about to happen. And then he goes on to say, and basically one of you amongst us is going to uh, betray me. 
One of you is going to betray me. He doesn't say who he doesn't name, who it is. He doesn't give the actual name. He indicates, if you want to read it, you can go back and look at it, look it up. He indicates to a few of them, but he doesn't come out and say it. But he says, one of you is going to betray me. And then he pulls Peter aside and says, and basically, sorry, dude, but you're going to deny me. Because Peter was like, well, I will never do that. He goes, really, you won't do that? Well, let, let me explain to you something. You're actually going to deny me. So these are, this is all in the, the, the 13th chapter of John. So he's, he's basically done this. He's given these huge things that have just been spoken out by Jesus. Can you imagine? They're sitting there going, I've followed this guy for three and a half years. In fact, he's just washed their feet. He's just washed our feet. Like, he's, he's our leader. He's the one we want to follow. We know that he carries the word, the word from God. We know that we, he, we see the will of God through him. We know that his words are like life and they're like light to us. We know that he is the only way to the Father. We believe. We know that, that in him, when we look at him, we see our heavenly Father. We know that he is God personified in the flesh. We know that. We believe that. And what now he's telling us he's going to die? What's going on here? And not only that, one of us, we've been this tight group of people. We've, there's 12 of us. We've walked with him. We've, we've gone through all sorts of things with him. We've seen miracles be performed through our own lips and our own mouths and through our own beings. And you're telling us one of us is going to betray you? And then you're saying one of us is going to deny you? Jesus, what's going on here? But then look at what happens in chapter 14. It's incredible. From the very start, this is what Jesus says. Ah, the tears are literally right here, guys. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So <laughs> they've just gone through all this stuff, right? They're, they're, just, they're in this whoa kind of moment thinking, what on earth is going on? My whole life has just been turned upside down. But then he goes on to say, do not let your hearts be troubled. See, Jesus is in control. He's always in control. He always knows what's going on. Even when things are so intense in our lives, even when things are so huge and they rock us, even when things change so suddenly, even when things just seem like it's, they're insurmountable and unthinkable and unimaginable. Jesus is in control and he says to you and I, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then for the next three chapters, 14, 15, 16, you know what he does? He leads you and I and he led them to the person of the Holy Spirit. And he said, the very verse, I'll get that down, sorry, I'll reach down and pick it up again. The very verse that I read out before, this is what he says. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And then he says in, in 16 verse 7, it is to your advantage that I go away. Like they're all thinking, please don't go. Can you imagine? It doesn't tell us that, but I can imagine they're natural people. They're natural thinking people. They're thinking, Jesus, do you really have to go? This is, this is kind of freaking us out right now. He says, no, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper 
will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, of course, we know what happens. The very thing that he obligated himself to do in chapter 13, which was to die, which was at the Last Supper, he did. And what happened? That new covenant, that new will and testament, that last will and testament now comes into operation. And now here we have the executor of that last will and testament here on earth, ready to disperse to you and I everything that was given to you and I through the very death, the burial, the ascension, the the resurrection the, and the glorification of our Jesus. It's given to you and I in the form of the helper, in the form of the comforter. And in fact, the word helper that Jesus refers to is actually parakletos, and that means helper, advocate, comforter. And you know what he does? He, he does all those things. He advocates for you and I. He helps us. He comforts us and he leads us to truth. You see, it's not just the feelings or the emotional sense of having him strengthen us and encourage us and comfort us and help us when we need, but ultimately the Holy Spirit's role is to lead us to truth. In fact, he is the spirit of truth. And the Bible says he's the spirit of Jesus. So Jesus rose from the dead, went, ascended to the Father, and then the Father sent the spirit of his son. He took the spirit of his son and put it down within you and I. But we're going we're gonna to discuss this another time about the spirit of truth and what that really means to you and I. And it's really interesting because John carries this theme of helper even into his epistle. I think it's the first epistle of John where he talks about Jesus being the helper. Using the same word, parakletos. Jesus is the helper. You see, everything flows from the Father. Everything, the spirit of truth comes from the Father. The word of God in the form of human flesh flowed from the Father. In other words, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the Trinity that we often talk about, is all involved in helping, comforting, and advocating for you and I as believers. It's, it's phenomenal. You know, I, I just want to end with this story, and then I'm going to pray for us. But just recently I, I heard about uh, a beautiful woman who I met through a, um, a, sh a, a shop that I, I regularly have gone to. And uh, because of lockdown, of course, we haven't been to any shops. So I was really shocked to hear recently that just before COVID hit um, Melbourne in March, she and her kids and uh, a friend of hers and, and his kids had been involved in a shocking, shocking accident. And uh, at a TNZ section, a truck just took a wrong turn and was illegal and smashed into this car that she was driving. And I, I, I had her number and I, I gave her a call recently. And, and I spoke to her, not now as a client, as someone wanting to purchase something from her as a consumer. Now I spoke to her as someone who could comfort her with the very comfort who lives on the inside of me. And I said... Sweetheart, I heard about this accident. Talk, talk to me. And she just began to cry and began to tell me this tragic story and, and about how her daughter had, had to be in a coma for two weeks and, and is, all the issues that have gone on. Basically, she as a mum had, she told me basically every, bo every bone in her body from the waist up was broken. And she went on, she told me all the different, I won't go into the details because it's personal, it's private to her. But... 
I was shattered and devastated to hear this. And she was on her way to a really important meeting, an appointment that, she, that was really uh, important and imperative that she had a good outcome for the future of her and her family. And so I said to her, can I please pray for you? Now, I've never done that before. I've, I've just been a customer of hers. And, you know, when you're a customer and going into a shop, you don't, you don't normally start to pray for people. You're in and you're out. But this time, I, you know, I said, can I please pray for you? And she said, sure. So I began to pray for her. And the minute I opened my mouth and I began to pray, by the power of this Holy Spirit, who is my helper, my comforter, my advocate, the minute I began to pray for her and her family, I began to cry. She began to cry. We're both bawling. And I'm comforting her with the very comforter who comforts me. And I just began to pray that, that God would move and, and move on her behalf and begin to make things happen and comfort her every single day. And, you know, I, I prayed that, that he would help her, that she would know that comfort and that help. I didn't, you know, I didn't have to go into a biblical, you know, um, discussion on saying who the Holy Spirit is and what his name is. No, I just, I said, Father, I ask you to help her. Now, I know that he's going to do that. I know the back end of that. I can look into the back end of that transaction and know he's going to start sending her the Holy Spirit. I know that when I say begin to ask, I say just ask, just pray and say, Jesus, help me. I know that when she says that, that all of heaven is going to move on her behalf because he's interceding for her in heaven and he's interceding for her by the Holy Spirit. The minute she asks for Jesus, he's going to be there to help her and to comfort her. I don't need to explain all of that. I just need to lead her to that. Because the role of the Holy Spirit that is in me will lead her to the truth of who Jesus is and what he will do for her. All I said was, sweetheart, do this. And she goes, oh, really? Okay, I will do that. As she's bawling her eyes out. Because why? She's now suddenly feeling the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The very one that comforts me as I'm praying for her is now comforting her in her car as she's parked in that car park ready to walk into this very important appointment. I didn't know that when I called her. But God knew and he knew when I needed to do that. She doesn't need a biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and how he will do it. She just needs to know the end result. And you know what? So do many of you. Many of you, even those in our church, you don't need to understand all the head knowledge. In fact, some of you possibly have been raised with this truth. Many of you, the, the ones that are the younger generation from us, you've been raised with this truth. You've been raised being taught this, but sadly, I know because I can see it now. Many of you have never experienced this truth. You know mentally, you can mentally assent to the fact that he's comforted, that he's helper, that he's truth. But many of you have never actually received that and walked in the knowledge like I did back in 1979. I just walked in it because I ran to him and I asked him from my heart. So we're going to pray right now. Maybe some of you have never really felt comforted. Maybe some of you have never really felt strengthened. Maybe some of you have never really felt helped or connected to God. Some of you have never felt like your heart is filled with a river that is not just pouring himself through you and making you feel amazing but flowing out to others. But maybe it's time to ask.
Let's ask him right now. I'm going to pray. Let's just put our hands on our hearts and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this river of God who flows through us. This person, this third person of the Godhead. Father, he flows from you. The spirit of truth. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our advocate. He does strengthen us and he will flow through us. He leads us ultimately to truth about who Jesus is and who you are, Father. Lord, I pray for every single person praying right now and every single person listening to me, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, Holy Spirit, touch them in their car. Touch them where they're in their offices right now as they're listening. Some of them I can actually, I can see a man sitting at his desk right now and he's got his head in his hands and he's just praying. And, 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 this, and I know he's in America and I know there's something that he needs right now. And I can see him and I can sense that the Holy Spirit is wanting to touch him as he listens to this podcast. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, minister to every single need. Minister, Holy Spirit, by the power of the name of Jesus, through the power of the name of Jesus. He is the name in which we come to the Father and receive everything. When we ask, it will be given to us. So, Father, right now, let the comfort, the strength, the the help of the Holy Spirit come upon us. Answer our questions, meet our needs, and let us know you and walk with you. Point us to Jesus. Help us to call upon the name of the Lord. Help us to call upon the name of Jesus right now. Some of you just need to start doing that. Just say, just like I said to my friend, Jesus, please help me. Jesus, that's all you need to do. You don't need to have a Bible degree to know how to do that. Just do it. Jesus, please help me. Father, I thank you, Lord. You're going to do that for them now and for me and for Brahm, for our churches, for our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Walk in this every day, guys. Walk in this.